0: Our scripture for today comes to us from Luke, chapter 1, verses 68 through 79. Will you please stand for the reading of the Gospel? Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. Now, by a show of hands, how many of you recognize that this was also our responsive reading this morning? Now, was this done on purpose or an accident? We may never know. (laughs) But in case it was an accident, let me read you the other gospel reading, because this is a bit of a peculiar day. Uh, In in the lectionary text, there's always an Old Testament, a psalm, a gospel reading, and an epistle or a historical reading. But on this, this is Christ the King Sunday. It's kind of like the last day of our liturgical year. Remember, I hinted about that last week. Uh, So happy new year to y'all after this Sunday. But in the liturgical readings, instead of a psalm, they have this responsive reading uh, that we did together twice, um, which is actually a, a prophecy from Zechariah as he was um, uh, beholding uh, Jesus, the 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 announcement that Mary was carrying Jesus, and he gave this prophecy. But. For the electionary year uh, this year, there is also um, Luke 1 in place of a psalm, but there's also this text that comes from the end of chapter Luke, and I'd like to read that as a juxtaposition. This first one is right before Jesus is born, and this scripture that I'll read you is right before he is put to the death. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him When they came to the place that is the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? We have indeed been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Again, this is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Christ the King Sunday is uh, a Sunday that was uh, set aside in 1925. I don't call myself a history buff, I just enjoy it casually. I, I stuff away uh, little trivial p- pursuits, pieces of knowledge, but I'm not a buff. But can you all remember what is happening around 1925? Great Depression, Great Depression was looming, World War I, which has come to an end, I believe. But in Rome, um, Pope Pius XI saw what world he was living in in Italy with the rise of Mussolini. And it was at this time in 1925 in Rome when Pope Pius XI said, We are going to declare this day the last day of the liturgical calendar right before we do Advent, because next week we start Advent, we will call it. Christ the King Sunday as a reminder to all of us and a reminder to all the powers that be, whether they are Mussolini or if they are Queen Elizabeth or King Charles, that regardless of what powers there are, Christ the Lord is king. And these days recently, the wording has shifted, even in, in uh, worship planning in the Methodist Church, it says, Christ the King Sunday, or Reign of Christ Sunday. But regardless of what we call it, we recognize this day, at the end of this liturgical year, as a kind of a capstone in, in to remember who this is, this Jesus Christ. And it's a peculiar thing that this, uh, the last scripture that I read, Jesus is hanging on the cross. It is his last moments uh, before he is crucified, and there's an inscription, uh, King of the Jews, King of the Jews, and it's said two or three times in that short section. So on Christ the King Sunday, we recall that he was King of the Jews, and for that, he was um, executed. And it's strange because of the juxtaposition of, of his crucifixion as king of the Jews, and next week we will begin our advent journey and wait for the newborn king. Isn't that a little bit peculiar? This kingship, a brand new king born in a manger, in a dusty, smelly stable, but this shouldn't be so peculiar because this is indeed the Jesus that we worship. This is what our king looks like. Now if we think about uh, royalty and monarchies you know, in our time and before, we think of things that are regal, um, purple and, and indigo colors, silk and satin and ermine. Am I pronouncing that right? I don't know. But the, you know the pretty furs, lots of luxury. Did you know every single swan in England belongs to the king? Isn't that peculiar to you? It's peculiar to me. Every single swan, which God created, belongs to the queen. King, Now, A couple years ago, the king of Thailand died. And the country mourned. They mourned for years, wearing all black every day for two years. There was... Um, uh, difficulty even finding black fabric in Thailand two years after the king had died. Now, we don't live under a monarchy here, democratic republic or, or democracy. It's a little bit different, and so uh, we, we have this um, you know, distance of what it means to worship a king or to live under a sovereign rule when our leaders come up from, um, you know, grassroots from people that we know. And so I believe that's why the wording has changed from Christ the King to the reign of Christ, who is our King. But what does it look like to recognize that something is ruler over our lives? What is that for you? And I'm not thinking of the Sunday school answer, Jesus. Jesus is usually the answer about 90% of the time, and we're going to get there. But really, really take a a moment of introspection and, and reflection and think, honestly, what rules your life? Where do you spend most of your daily energy? Where are your hours going? I think for many of us, I'm willing to guess what rules our life is our work, that nine to five, the punch in, the punch out. Even if you are on a salary, you know, you think um, I have to get ready for tomorrow for work. That rules our lives. Maybe it's school, got to get those exams and got to get the homework under your belt. What rules your life? Right now, last week I shared with y'all my diagnosis. Right now, my chart, it's a very good gift, but it's ruling my life. It populates all these schedules and and appointments, and I have to sort my day around it. I'm still coming to terms with that, y'all, but it is ruling my life. It sets in order my day and what I am to do and what I can and can't do. What rules your life? Paul Tillich a theologian, he said um, what, where, where is the ruler of your life? What do you focus on regularly? I know I'm messing up the quote. Um, he says, what is your ultimate concern? Where, where is your ultimate concern in your daily life? Perhaps it is your work. Perhaps it is your children. I have two toddlers. you were crawling earlier down the aisle. Uh, To a degree, they rule my life, and I love it. But what is your ultimate concern? And when we really take a moment to reflect what is our ultimate concern and where we spend our time, whether it is work or with family or social media or in front of the television, Paul Tillich says, wherever your ultimate concern is, that is where your faith lies. Did that hit anybody just a little bit too sharply? Where you put your time, your energy, wherever you put your concern, that is where your faith lies. Now hopefully, we say where our faith lies is in Jesus Christ, but where and how does that live out in our actual lives? Is that our ultimate concern in everything that we do? When we're clocking in and we're clocking out, we may be living our daily life, but is our ultimate concern worshiping Jesus from 9 to 5 and ever after? If our ultimate concern is what is going on in the world and have uh, news programs on 24-7 and all the social media, that may be what we do with our lives, but is is Jesus our ultimate concern in the way that we filter through these things? Sir Thomas More served King Henry VIII, who was... Uh, To a degree, an important uh, person in our history, in the Methodist Church, there would be no Methodism without the English Reformation, without King Henry VIII. Y'all didn't think you'd come here learning some history, did you? King Henry VIII, go check it out. But he saw uh, Sir Thomas More, and he was a very faithful servant to the king. And so Sir Thomas More was uh, raised up through the ranks and became, um, I don't remember his actual title. Remember, I just kind of flirt with history. I don't commit all of it to to memory. But Sir Thomas More, he um, rose up through the ranks. But when it came to a time that King Henry VIII wanted to divorce his wife, Sir Thomas More said, I don't think that's right. I don't think that you are supposed to divorce your wife, remember, Catholic. and I'm going to have to not back you up on this. I, I am your servant, and you are the monarch, but Christ is the king, and so I will serve him, and I will step aside and disagree with you. And that cost him quite a lot. And he said that, you know, I, I serve the king, but I am um, Christ is my lord. And so he recognized that you can go about your daily life and do what you need to do, but wherever your ultimate concern and that master filter of things that we do, it must be Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to um, call Christ our king. But who is this king? Very peculiar. This king, Jesus Christ, does not quite reflect King Henry VIII, thank goodness. Doesn't quite reflect King Charles or Queen Elizabeth or the King of, of Thailand. It's a quite peculiar king. Think of the ways in which this king turns everything upside down. And God is often about turning things upside down, turning things on its head. A king who is born in a stable. A king who has his triumphal entry, not on a horse, but a donkey. A king whose crown is not made out of an olive wreath or of gold and jewels, but of thorns. A king whose throne is a cross. This is the king that we worship. It's very peculiar. And I hope that when we worship this king and and claim that Christ is uh, the king of our lives and and we honor and, and recognize the reign that he has, it changes us in our daily living. Regardless of what powers there are in the world, you have to ask yourself, what do they give to me? What do they have to offer? What does it mean to worship this or that king versus Christ. And we hear the prophecy of Zechariah, and and this part struck me. It says, by the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us and give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Whereas worldly kings and queens and Governments often bring people into war. This king guides our feet into the way of peace. As we enter into deeper days of of winter and the days get longer and it becomes darker, it really strikes us that we are sitting in darkness, not only in the um, timing of the seasons, but Sitting in darkness of our sins, sitting in the darkness of our anxieties and worries and concern, and whatever that darkness is, like the breaking of dawn, Christ, our King, breaks through. If you've never really witnessed the dawn, it comes in slowly, where the stars melt away, and there's kind of a purple light that breaks um, over the horizon, and it comes in quite slowly that you may even miss that it's happening. And I think of all the days that I've experienced in darkness, and I can remember the times that God's tender mercy showed up and brought the dawn. That is what this king has to offer to us. This is what it means to be servants of this king. Now how do we uh, claim and proclaim, not just with our lips, but with our actions, that Jesus Christ is Lord and King? Well, if there's a king, there is a kingdom. Am I wrong? If there's a king, there is a kingdom. And so how do we become part of this kingdom? Well, if you are a citizen in a country, you have it on your birth certificate or you have some paper. Um, But if you, you know, are a citizen somewhere else. You know, you may be carrying money with the king or the queen's uh, image, but how are you a citizen of this kingdom? I'll read to you uh, what this article by Reverend Dr. Derek Weber. He said, what are the pointers to allegiance to Christ, who is our king, once you leave this sanctuary after worshiping? What are the marks of those who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and not just the nations of this world? How will we live differently? How will we live out our citizenship? Some descriptions of kingdom living would be helpful here. A call to love God and neighbor in tangible ways. And a reminder that we can live as followers of Christ only when we do it together. And so if we do believe that Christ is king and we worship this man as the ruler of our lives, Our lips proclaim it, but so do our practices. And so as we leave here today, the closing of the liturgical year, I ask that you walk away with a question in your heart. How do I live my life and my days where people may know that I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God and that my ruler and king is Jesus Christ? It may be a slow journey as we go through Advent starting next week, leading closer and closer to the birth of the King. And may this be a season and time of discernment and practice that Jesus Christ is the King of our lives. Let us pray. Lord God, help us to be more worshipful. Help us to be more faithful. And help us to be more intentional with our time and with our musings and with our actions and that all that we do shows to the world that we are citizens of your kingdom and that you, Christ, are our king. We sit in darkness and wait for the dawn that comes in you. And as we go forth from here, may we bring the dawn with us to others who are sitting also in darkness. is in your name we pray. Amen.